right, I got I got to cut to this story really quick. So, um, we hope one day Grand Cathedral or somebody will will sponsor the show. But four years ago, we we started a podcast. We hit like fifteen on the business charts, and we got an email um, from somebody, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, do you want a sponsor for the show?" And Andre and I were like broke freshmen in college. Um, at least I was really broke, but um, I was we're also like, broke. We're like. Dude, they're gonna pay us 150 bucks an episode. Like, this is amazing. And they're it was Adam and Eve, like the sex toy lingerie, like adult toy company. And mind you, this is a college podcast for young entrepreneurs. Like, there's where's the connection? So we we were like, you know what? This is a great offer. 150 bucks an episode is a fortune for an 18 year old. But we ultimately turned it down. And four years later, we found out that it was Dan just messing with us. <laughs> it was never a real po- uh, real sponsorship. So. Thanks, Dan, for that. Uh, so my side of it, I was in Miami at the time because I went there for a year and a half for college. And they had just blown up, jumped up the charts, and I was like, you know, it would be really fucking funny if they thought that Adam and Eve wanted to sponsor them. And I actually got them to read, like, just a very raunchy ad read on their podcast that's, number one, focus on entrepreneurs and had nothing to do with the audience. And then number two, like myself and Andre – we come from like a background where very family oriented, very wholesome. Uh, we're both Catholic, so it was just like something where I knew I'd put them in a pretzel on the other side of the email. So I just bought like I didn't buy anything. I just did like Adam and Eve at gmail.com. <laughs> Wrote him the email. He didn't end up taking the deal, so that was a letdown. But that was funny. Um, just him like writing me like a very thoughtful no thank you letter uh, on the way back. So. Yeah, it was just me fucking with you guys. But yeah, bro, you can still Venmo us. I mean, the smoke, I was ready to the go. Ambiance with I, the smoke. Still, I was the ready smoke. to dedicate like my weekly paycheck to just seeing you guys <laughs> read that thing. All right, so we're gonna jump into the episode. This is gonna be an interview styled show, uh, and so we have three co-hosts. We're we're probably gonna be rotating uh, some episodes because we're all traveling and we got things going on. But now that you know uh, some backstory about the co-host. Um, we're going to dive into the first guest for today's episode, which we're super excited about. Uh, he's actually the man behind the camera, so I always thought it'd be a cool opportunity to bring uh, Scott into the forefront, especially for our Genesis episode, uh, to talk a little bit about his story, how he got here, uh, how he fell in love with video and production. And and if you're watching this, you're already seeing like this is a pretty sick setup, uh, and we want to really be able to have that without someone like Scott uh, who's got a lot of background with this type of work so we'll bring him in um, but just so you guys know like and correct me if I'm wrong or add to this as well the theme of the show is is really to be more of a lifestyle show Uh, Dan Christian and I we probably spend 10 to 12 hours a day locked in our bedrooms running different businesses and so this is our opportunity to kind of get out of that setting on a weekly basis, get into the cigar bar uh, and have some really cool conversations and, and kind of share a little bit of insights uh, of what our lifestyle looks like and also bring guys that we look up to uh, that have accomplished really cool things, not just in business, but in sports uh, and in different uh, areas of life. So it's going to be a wide ranging show. We're going to try to keep it super casual and authentic and and just see where it takes us. So anything to add? Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's always good to have a mix of business and give you guys value and just keep it lighthearted and funny. Um, cause at the end of the day, like, yeah, you can watch a 40 minute episode and get value from it, but it's a lot easier to consume a 40 minute video. If there's jokes, it's lighthearted, you know, lots of cool stories. So 
this podcast is in person, um, so it's going to be a little bit harder to bring on some really high-level guests, but we're going to do our best, you know, to get guys like, you know, Cold Email Wizard, Nick Rogers, Logue Fitz, all those guys in Florida, and then anytime someone visits uh, Tampa, we'll, we'll try to get them on, but it just got really dark in here. I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't mess anything <laughs> up. But. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, it's almost like the lifestyle is also the business. Like, it's very easy for one to bleed into the other. So we're still going to talk a lot about business, but also for any other business owners just talking about, I don't know, kind of ways to build a good network when you're not being a degenerate. And I, I guess just the lifestyle that comes with running a business, specifically running an online business. Um, but yeah, hype to have Scott on. I know that we said Daniel was going to be our first guest. He's actually back here in the soldier suit. <laughs> you can see him. Uh, but yeah, man, excited to be talking to Scott here. Yeah, Scott, get in here, bro. Come take a seat. All right. Let's go. Scott enters frame from stage left. What's going on, Scott? What's up, guys? All right. I guess to start it off, just intro yourself, you know, your backstory, where you're at now, um, how we met, because I think it's a pretty cool story, and what you're up to lately. How did we meet? Am I going to forget our love story here? <laughs> Klein Ascension. Yeah, obviously. So what's up? I'm Scott. Um, I'm the, the video guy, I guess, on Twitter, as most people would put it, so... Um, just doing a lot of video stuff. Obviously, we're here producing this podcast. Want to give a shout out to the boys for the opportunity to do this for them. Uh, it's always super awesome to be able to do stuff like this. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was I was uh, grateful enough to meet all these guys through Client Ascension, um, and it it was really just like I didn't think I would have ended up doing stuff like this. Honestly, um, I recently moved down here. Uh, probably like only a month, month or two ago, um, to to kind of Chad scale this kind of stuff up. So, so yeah, we're here, we're doing stuff, and ready to answer some questions and talk about who knows what. <laughs> yeah, dude. Long. Poor me, dude. I'm I'm like sandwiched in by two Chads right now. Old man spread. <laughs> like what? This is. This is the we're actually we're actually brothers. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, you guys will get into to talking a little bit about that relationship. But yeah, this is this got to be like the worst seat in the house. But uh, <laughs> anyways, dude. Yeah, super cool to have you on. Uh, my question, I always like to go back to where it all started. Uh, and we talk about this a lot behind the camera. But for those who don't know, like where did your passion for video originally start? And, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Yeah, so I actually, it started off as photography. Uh, I took, I was really bored one day. I guess the backstory is that I, um, my parents are split and my dad was like, I would spend time there and they live in kind of like a pretty like rural place in Minnesota. Uh, for people who don't know where that is, it's basically Canada. So I was just bored one day and I was, I was 12, 12 or 13 years old and I was walking around the house and there was this like, What's the swearing policy on this, by the way? Just like kind of send it. Okay. Well, I was walking around the house and I saw this. What is what I now consider like this piece of shit camera? Um, I, I found like this old Nikon that was sitting on the cabinet, and I was really bored, so I just picked it up and I just started like taking pictures with it. I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I feel like some people are lucky enough in life to just stumble upon things like that. Um, when you start doing something, it's like almost an accident, but then it turns into a lot more than that. So fast forward probably like three years after that. So I was 16 um, and I got my wisdom teeth out and I was super bored again. So I went, researched a bunch of camera stuff. I had like $800 to my name. I spent all the money 
on my first setup. Uh, and then I just started getting my hands dirty. And I, I had, again, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, my first video was absolutely awful. And then, yeah, it just kind of snowballed into this where um, I've been lucky enough to have what has this has turned into my career, essentially video um, and creative art stuff. And it's 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 brought me to many places across the country. I've gotten to meet a ton of people. I've gotten access to to events and things that are crazy. Like I've shot parties. Yeah. <laughs> events. I've like shot that. I've shot NAS. I've shot for NASCAR. I've shot for Samsung. Um when I got into, it also was my bridge to online business. So I've been able to work um, with people from like Germany, Sweden, like the all over the U.S. And yeah, it's just been really awesome. So now we're here. Crazy. So I want to bridge to the moment that led up to you joining Client Ascension and then ultimately ending up in Tampa because I feel like a common thread is always like, oh, I love video. Like your background is like, oh, I love photo. I love video. And a lot of people you know, pick up a camera, pick up a microphone, start writing songs, play piano, whatever it is. I feel like a lot of people get that skill and that passion and they never really follow through on it. Um, so talk me through the, the two moments where you kind of had a leap of faith. Like one, joining Klein Ascension with two different credit cards. And <laughs> that's just crazy to me. Just don't, just don't do it. Like the, right, right there, the majority of people would say, oh, I can't afford this, I'm out. And you probably would still be in Minnesota right now if you said no in that moment. And then two, packing up, selling everything, driving to Tampa and being around all of us, like walk me through those two moments because I feel like, you know, making those decisions are what ultimately leads you to a full-time video career as opposed to being in Minnesota doing whatever else. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I've found this pattern in my life. I can probably point out like, I think this is like the, probably the fourth, third or fourth pivot, like major pivot I've made. So I found, at least for me personally, but I'm going to guess that this would work for a lot of people, is that when you put yourself, I, don't, I wouldn't even say put yourself against the wall necessarily, but when you kind of, like everyone goes through life and they have bridges like into the past and things they've done that they could walk over backwards at any moment. Um, and I find that when you essentially cut those ties or like burn those bridges or people say like burn the boats or whatever, that you have like this clarity and moving forward in what you're doing. So um, I'll, I'll give kind of like a longer answer and then a shorter answer. The first time I did that was when I dropped out of school um, in college. I had like a $100,000 scholarship and I ended up doing the same thing. I basically packed up everything I owned and I, I moved to Colorado and that was like the, the biggest phase of growth I've ever experienced in my life. And so I figured like, why not just do the same thing? Like basically pack up my stuff, come down here. Um, but that wouldn't have been possible without Klein Ascension. And so the Klein Ascension thing and joining that is relatively similar, except it was more of a financial thing. So of course it's like an online program. You don't have to move to Tampa or do anything like that. But I, I figured that, you know, I'd never done coaching before. Um, the, the, the fee to, to enter was essentially an amount that, like, I knew I could make back, but it was very uncomfortable, um, as Jay would tell you. <laughs> it took me, yeah. like, 40. You said you were shaking on the call, like, entering your card. Shout out, Jay. Uh, yeah, nah, we forced but, him. No, we didn't. Nah, but um, I, I'm super glad I did it. But essentially, so I find that when you do things like that, so I was, so in this example, I wasn't necessarily moving somewhere, but 
I was making a commitment. Like you just make a commitment to moving forward and what you're going to do. And at the time that I decided to join Klein Ascension, I felt pretty like lost almost because I was doing the video stuff, but I thought that I wanted to learn sales so that I was able to essentially make money selling or doing whatever I wanted to. And it was also definitely like a weak point for me. Um, and at the time I was making like 3k a month, which I knew that I was worth like my time and my experience was worth a lot more than that. So I, I thought that by joining the program, I would be able to, and this is true, this happened, but the, the thinking is that, okay, I'm going to join this program. I'm going to strengthen my, my blind spots and be able to monetize my skill set at a higher level and just like, cause I already had all the experience and that's the, that's the thing with client ascension is like, you guys don't take anyone on that's like a total beginner. So I already knew like I had something that would be valuable to the marketplace. I just didn't really know how to like make it a business. Um, and so that's when I joined and fast forward to now, like a week ago, I hired someone for what I was full time, basically for what I was making, um, like four months ago or eight months ago. <clears throat> Or whatever it was, I don't know the time, <laughs> but yeah. So that's that's how that all happened. So crazy. Yeah. And I feel like to zoom out and go back to that thing about just seeing something through. It's not always that you have to be this giant risk taker. Like I'm sure you don't view yourself as such. A lot of the times, it's just about like not taking half measures with what you do and seeing it through. Like whenever I have like a big decision, whether it's business, personal life, I'm never thinking in terms of like hey, do I want to be this risky? I'm just thinking in terms of regret minimization. Like if I didn't see this through all the way, I'd fucking regret it a lot. That's right? on Bezos. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> on Elon. On Nolan, bro. Let that sink yeah, in. No cap. <laughs> um, I actually find myself using the exact same thing. Yeah. So when I left college, all I was thinking about is that I had an opportunity in front of me that I know I wanted to take and I knew I could always go back but I, to, to school, but I knew that I also could never go back to this opportunity. So essentially what I did is you just picture yourself five, 10 years from making the decision. And you, if you have a good intuition, which I feel like most people do, they just either drown it out with alcohol or drugs or they, they ignore it. Like, it's not that hard to do, to think like what, do I think, how do I think that I'm going to look back on this like five, 10 years from now? Um, so that, that's what I did. And I knew that it would like build my character and I would get to, to experience a lot of things in life that I wanted to experience. I mean, I was, I was out there in Colorado specifically, and I was learning business completely online, living in this nice house that we were Airbnb out basically was like our offer, I guess you'll say. And I was like snowboarding every other day basically like cool that's a lot better than school yeah. and and i had so much time to like in isolation which a lot of people also don't get and then that just strengthens that ability to like look forward into the future so i found myself using the same thing yeah and it's like the most logical way of making any decision because if you're looking ahead and you're like i tried my own i failed here and i still don't regret it like i'm happy that i saw it through you really can't lose like for me it was like i'm pretty good at school I've been doing sales since high school. I can interview well. I could get like a tech sales job and probably make six figures right out of college. But even if I was doing that, 
and the benefits were great and I had stock options, I'd still be looking back like, fuck, what if I started a company with my boys, had an eight figure exit down the road. And like, that's obviously still loading. Like we're not close to that yet, but if I didn't see it through and at least try, no, I'd regret it. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be like, it's, it's like a process. You don't have to, like, it's not a failure if, okay, let's, I'll use like an extreme example. Okay. So you make that decision and you don't have an eight figure exit within a year. It's like, okay, well you're poor. Yeah. (laughs) Just, it's so simple. Um, on Fazio, (laughs) but so it's, it's also like a process. You have to, you have to be patient. Um, and that's why you think like five, 10 years out because what you're thinking about five, five or 10 years out from now might seem ridiculous, but where I am basically, I guess right now is what my goal, um, has been for like probably the last like three, four years. And I still have a vision moving forward of like yeah. where I want to be in the next five. Talk about that. Cause I feel like you and me, like specifically, we talk a lot about like time is, is catching up. Right. Um, and I feel like we've both kind of been at this and everyone here included, but we talk about this a lot. So like we've both been at this for quite some time. Like, I think I got my start in entrepreneurship, uh, like five years ago. And for me, it was always in the cards because like I was raised by a family of entrepreneurs. So it was like, that was like the normal uh, route to go. Whereas like for anyone else, it's usually go to college, get a job, all that type of stuff. Um, But I feel like we talk a lot about time catching up and having like the patience to see it through. And that's not always easy. Like looking back uh, for me specifically, like through the journey, there's been so many different like failures or shortcomings or like things that I thought were going to pan out, but didn't. Um, and, and now we're here. So like talk about how, cause you, you've, you've kind of shared already a few of the experiences you were in Colorado, you were in Scottsdale, like talk us through like what kept you going when those things didn't necessarily pan out that got you here. Cause I feel like people go through like those trials and tribulations and, and it gets to a certain point where they kind of fold. And so how do you not fold? <laughs> I get there's like there's like a hundred different ways to answer it, I guess. The first I'll, I'll try to like compartmentalize it. So the first thing is obviously I really enjoy doing like video and the creative stuff. So that was more of a matter of just figuring out it's like something like you say, okay, I can picture myself running this agency um, basically till you die or whatever. So you have you finding something that you enjoy doing and that you're good at and is is you can make money from. So that's like the first thing. It's kind of like the trifecta, right? And so when when shit's like hitting the fan, you at least still enjoy what you're doing. It's just these external factors that a lot of times are out of your control. Um and then you you're able to separate that from like what the true mission at hand is. The second thing is people. So like that's basically the only reason I moved down here. Like if you guys were in Columbus, Ohio, I probably still would have moved. It would have probably not been as fun. Um, <laughs> but so the the second thing is the people, like having having a network of people. And I learned that early on as well when I was doing the Colorado thing because the the isolation was great in learning about yourself, but like loneliness is a real thing. And I experienced some of that, like to the point where I was getting like physical side effects. And so I learned that lesson really early on too, is that um, going through this stuff with 
a group or network of people around you is, is super important. And then uh, the third element is is that long-term vision that, that me and Crowley talked about. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, finding something that works that you can monetize and that you enjoy, the people, and then like your vision long-term. Yeah, so for me, I have a really... I don't even know how to explain it, but like I got to college, I was going to go for accounting, get a big four accounting degree. But for me, the thought of sitting in a formal interview with like some exec and going to work at a big four, you know, New York City office was scarier than just doing what I do now. Like for whatever reason, I don't know if my I just had like relentless optimism or what it was, but I always knew like even when we were running a business and didn't get paid for two years, just working for free, basically, I always had the thought in the back of my head that this was somehow going to work out like it a lot of people I graduated I got a four-year degree like a lot of people either like Scott dropped out and went all in or graduated and just got a job and then came in entrepreneurship like people ask me like what was your experience in business like before you started your own your own company and I'm like I worked at a frozen yogurt shop in high school like this I got a four-year degree and still the only option I saw for myself was doing this even though it took three or four years to pan out um, and I think the reason that I was so willing to be patient and keep at it is because I was with guys like Andre and Dan here who, you know, we were all in it together. If I was doing it by myself for two years, there's probably zero chance that I would have persisted and actually made it work. And I probably would be working a job right now somewhere up in New York going through another brutal, brutal winter. <laughs> um, I've, I've got but, a question for you. Okay, yeah. The frozen yogurt shop. How enjoyable is that for you? Um Dude, honestly, it was so like a Saturday shift would be like 11 to 6 and almost nobody would come in and you couldn't be on your phone. So I would just like sit there like reorganizing the sample cups like 20 different ways. Um, <laughs> but I did get free frozen yogurt. So I got that was like fun. I don't know. Um, but I would walk out with like sick ice cream. Yeah, I would walk out with like 60 bucks in tips and be like, dude, this is sick. Like We're I'm going to be able to go to Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was a good it was a good job. But anyways. I want to pivot into, so like for me, Andre and Dan have kind of been my community and the people I've been able to work with. And like whenever I'm working by myself in my room for like an extended period of time, I get anxious, I get overwhelmed. But as soon as I'm around somebody else talking it out, working with them, I immediately calm down and get back into my zone. So I feel like the number one hurdle for anyone out there that wants to get into online business and wants to start their own thing is like finding a community of people that they can rely on and talk to and you know get support from because you know if you're working from your hometown at a nine to five like you're not really around anyone that shares that mindset so this is a two-sided question for you number one how can somebody find that group of people that they can kind of rely on and number two like what is the or where did you come across like twitter and all these the people that we work with one join client ascension <laughs> and two join that client was ascension. not planned <laughs> well all right okay so. i i so so for number one at like the answer is kind of actually like join an online group find coaches like go on like reddit or something just like find people that and it's not that it's not that easy if you're in so i'm from i'm from minnesota and I was in like the the cities area, like I, I wasn't like in the middle of nowhere, but at least specifically up there, like a lot of it's Fortune 500 stuff. So no one was really like had. There, there's people that have their own business, but as someone who's like 23, it wasn't that common. Yeah. So so use the power of the internet to find people. Um, I another one I like is just like 
you guys talk a lot about like parasocial relationship and stuff. It's really a real thing. Like I, I have be basically feel like I have mentors that I watch like on YouTube. So we talk about Patrick, but David all the time. Um, people like that. I, I used to watch Graham Stephan when I was in Colorado. That's how I learned about like credit cards and like all this, all this stuff. So have like two way conversations and meet with people online. And then also, um, just, Pretend like you have mentors, I guess, for people that you trust on YouTube yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, just to cut in, like, whenever somebody hits me up, like, yo, how are you running an agency, like, at your age, you know, fresh out of college, and how do I get started even thinking about doing something like that? My answer is always join Twitter and follow this list of people, because once you, if you, our side of Twitter just makes this kind of lifestyle and business model, like, the normal, like, we all run our own businesses, we all work on our own time, and it's become... Once you're indoctrinated into it enough, it's just the normalcy for how business goes and how things go. So I guess, you know, my advice to someone that's starting out is always to hop on Twitter and just follow people. Um, but yeah, I feel like the hardest part is just getting to that point where you actually see a clear path of like monetizing a skill. Right? Huge perspective shift for me too when I joined Twitter. Yeah. So I want to give a special shout out first to um, John Luke and Sam Thompson. Uh, they're the ones that got me on on twitter i've been on twitter for eight months now i joined in the beginning of march um and i was like this sounds like the dumbest idea ever why would i join twitter they're like just post your videos yeah people bro. think twitter's like, like a dead platform now but it's alive like, and well especially like, with elon i'm like Take okay it. fine so i start posting my stuff and fast forward to now it's my number one um source of business essentially I never thought that what I would have joined, I would have basically sold like six figures worth of my own product on there to people I've never met in real life until this this weekend when the client ascension event happened. But um, so yeah, it, that was super crazy. But complete perspective shift because when I came into it, um, I was I just had the superficial goal of just trying to make six figures. I was like, oh, if I can make like what is it 8333 a month, dollars or, or, a month. Or, yeah. or 10 if i can make 10k a month like i'm going to be like a god and then i started watching like sebastian Giorgio and like was on twitter and i was like if i don't make 30k this month i'm fucking homeless <laughs> like you're poor yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like his black friday video he's like if i don't make 50 grand the next 2 hours i swear to god you're like holy there's yeah. levels yeah. yeah so last note for me i just feel like once you're sorry if i'm hogging it no, I that was just Also, I'm just gonna put a yeah, yeah. quick caveat on that. Get on Twitter, follow people, but just don't be a lurker. Like don't just sit on the sideline for an extended period of time. Because the cool thing I guess about I guess the last like two, three years is like everybody's become so used to just working remote completely. Yeah, yeah. Like you can make real, real relationships as long as you're interacting with people. Like Connor is a good example. I feel like that's like my boy. I've never met him in person. And yeah, like yeah. we came across him on a sales call. He was like, yo, you guys do performance-based work. I do performance-based work. We started Client Ascension. I was like, we need another closer. He came on. And now like we're going to meet him in Portugal next week, which is aside from the point. But like you can have real relationships started now. But the one caveat is you can't just be somebody who's sitting on the sideline and just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling but like actually reach out to people just like to quickly rebuttal. I feel like once you're in this Twitter sphere enough, like your mindset just shifts like my friend. Works at a big four accounting firm and his role is like a Salesforce consultant. And he's like, oh, like I'll be able to, you know, rise the ranks of this as a Salesforce consultant. And I'll just send him like screenshots of tweets like people that do Salesforce consultancy and they just get paid for their own stuff. Right. 
like they do it on their own. I'm like, my thought process isn't, oh, how can you apply this skill to a nine to five? It's how can you monetize this skill on your own and make an agency out of it? That's always the first thing that I tell people when they ask me, like, how do I do good in business? It's always do your own thing, do your own thing. Four years ago, I would have said, you know, get a job and just rise the ranks of a firm. I was going to say, I think there's something to be said about uh, like Dan just referenced, like the last three years and the shift that it brought to like people's perspective of like, oh shit, like it was a reality check, right? Like I need equity, like I need ownership in something because if I don't have that, I don't have control. No matter my skill sets, no matter my experience, no matter my network, like I need equity and I need control. And Naval, who's who's super popular in the space, and he's someone that I followed on Twitter for so long, he always talked about this, and it was not making total sense to me like at the time three years ago, but now it's so perfectly clear. It's like the gig economy is here, and if you have a skill set, if you can bring value, especially if you could bring value to a company like a Fortune 500 company, like imagine the value you can bring to to small businesses, and then venturing out onto your own doing your own venture it, it just becomes like you have the ownership like you have yeah, the freedom makes, to make your own decisions it makes too much sense not to i've also got to go guys i gotta actually manage the sales team so guys gotta, gotta do some actual business he can't but, just uh, yeah i can't right. always be partying cigars on a friday you know you no, gotta, yeah you gotta get to work um so we'll cut i guess for a second i'll just yeah. this i'm gonna set it down Um, we're back. Yeah. So, so to kind of switch gears here, you guys were talking a lot about like finding a community online and, and like, how does that happen? Right. Cause you mentioned like Columbus, Ohio, like say you're someone in Columbus, Ohio, like that's funny. Cause I was from Binghamton, New York. And if anyone is listening, that's not family or friends that knows what Binghamton, New York is, I'd be surprised. Uh, and so like I was from that small town where, I, again, I was very fortunate to have family that were in entrepreneurship because they were able to show me that path. Um, but it was also on me to seek it out. Uh, so Christian and I, when we first got to college and we were surrounded by all these people that were so concerned and caught up in, in what was being discussed in the classroom, that like really irked us. And we wanted to seek out knowledge from people that were having success outside of the classroom. So get, get this, when I was in college for one semester, you know what my major was? Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, which oh is like, God. dude, that's such like. I a sat in a, I sat in a marketing class in college and worked on my marketing agency. I would look up from my laptop, see the professor talking about consumer surveys, and I would just look back down on my laptop and go back to work on my marketing agency. I got an A minus in the class, and I probably paid like five minutes of attention the dude, whole semester. Yeah. So if you're listening, go into the show description and fill out Christian's survey that he has for you guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, but just a pivot, another, I just, I'm, we're on the topic of people breaking into this world and of online business. The everyone, I feel like if you're at a nine to five or if you're just working a regular job, you're like, why the hell would anyone care about what I have to say? Right? Like if you're just starting out, you don't have any, maybe you have like a skill in your business that you're working at. You're like, Oh, you know, if I tweet something, no one's going to give a shit what I have to say because I'm not experienced. And I feel like. If you just lean into, like, Andre started his Twitter account and his whole theme was, like, starting from scratch, scaling an agency in public. If you lean into the fact that you are a beginner and you just engage in conversations on Twitter and post your learnings and, oh, I signed a client. And then people are going to be like, 
people can actually relate to the fact that you're a beginner more than the fact that you're a million dollar agency owner because a lot of people just like you are just starting out so if you sign a client from cold email or a referral or your network and you post that online a lot of people are going to relate to that and you're going to build a following over time so i guess how can you know somebody just kind of carve their way into a brand online even if they don't really have a skill set quite yet so the the first thing is even if you are if if you're not like super experienced yet as i guess like like bad as it sounds like you're always like value you can be valued for labor like just offer something like it doesn't need to be super specialized like we were talking about like you were doing the frozen yogurt thing like i was a bus boy when i was 16 and i knew how to make videos i knew how to make like videos still better than like probably 90 percent of people at 16 but i was still a bus boy for like two three years um and so the so the first thing is just like going out and and providing some sort of value even if it's not specialized yet and then the whole thing is getting paid to learn so i don't think i've ever really had a job where like i'm getting paid but i'm not learning anything like even when i was a busboy like i was learning customer service i was learning how to work really hard i was learning how to show up on time and like i guess like t work with people that were a lot older than me um and not being like hey fuck you bro like you know you have to like it, it takes practice. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is just by stepping out and, and doing online business. What, what do they say? It's like, if you make it, if you've made like a dollar online, you, that's more than like 99% of people or something. Cause most people just use the internet and they, they pay as consumers instead yeah. of creators. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you have to be ripping like these 10 to $30,000 a month and like, okay, you're just a beginner. Like most people don't make 10 K a month at their job. <laughs> Yeah. So like, yeah. Um, I guess does that kind of answer that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And I have like, from our experience with the podcast, I think another thing that people have to understand, like, if you're just getting started, uh, like on the internet, like lean in, like Christian said, lean into the fact that you are a beginner. Like, I feel like a lot of people come in and they try to like put on this front that they're, you know, this big shot and they know more than you. Um, when really they're just getting started. And I don't think it's an ego thing. I think it's more because they feel like they have to because they see all these other people that are having the success and know their shit that are sharing value and they feel like they have to kind of mimic what they're doing. What worked really well for us with our podcast, like our initial podcast, Real Talk University, the whole theme of the show was like, we're the host, not because we're qualified to go out and, and ask these guys questions, but because we simply are in the position that also our listeners are in, which is we just want to learn from people that have had success. And so we use that. And almost every episode, we mention the fact that we're here to learn and ask the questions that we know our listeners are also probably thinking of asking and, and sharing with that. So like, I think a big part of starting online, uh, especially like a, a brand online, is leaning into the fact that you're a beginner. Because like, for example, I, I kind of am on the contrary to what you guys have been talking about in a way is like, I think you need some experience and skill set before you start to build a brand. Like, I don't think if you're if you're just getting started with entrepreneurship, I wouldn't advise you to go on Twitter and start posting. I'd advise you to go out and learn a skill set. So like Christian, you mentioned like when we first started my Twitter page a year and a half ago, like I had four years of experience in entrepreneurship before that. 
not to say I had success, but I had a lot of stories and learnings that I could then provide value in, in 200 podcast episodes that I could tap into. So it wasn't like, I'm yeah. just going to start this Twitter page and this is going to be my entrepreneurial journey. Like there was real experience for us to tap into. I think that's important. So I would prioritize before personal branding or, or content or anything like that is go out and learn a skill set. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, I suppose I suppose we didn't um, like dis- discern the two that I, I also agree with that because I was in the same position um, when I got on Twitter. I had already been I had been like out of school and doing my own thing and learning entrepreneurship stuff and making videos for like five five years at least so for me it was really easy to just start like monetizing on twitter because i knew what i was talking about and it was obvious that i knew what i was talking about and that the videos i were uh, people were noticing the videos i was putting out um the thing with the the i guess the reason i was saying the labor thing is like because it doesn't mean you have to be like posting like i'll use a busboy example again like i'm bussing tables at like whatever like but before, like, as you're building, like, it's okay to start out just, like, offering, like, brute force value in terms of, yeah. of, of that. Um, and I think the tipping point is, like, getting to the point where you have a skill set enough to actually bring it to an audience and grow a following. Because, you know, like, I always keep going back to this example. Like, oh, I don't know any skills. You just have to, like, pick. I always say, if you're, I, I grew up, I was good at writing. I did well on, like, the English part of the SAT. I'm good at grammar. I turned that into you know, writing tweets and writing cold emails and just turning it into a career of copywriting. If you're really good at talking to people, become a sales guy. If you're really good at um, what's like a good school skill set that turns into systems and operations. like Building Legos. Okay. Andre grew up building Legos and following Lego manuals, and now he builds SOPs, which are like written tutorials. Manuals. Manuals. Yeah, he designs all of the systems for our business. So like... It sounds really stupid, but if you have intangible skills that you grew up with, he picked up a camera. I was good at writing. He liked Legos, and that turned into a skill set that now pays us to do the things that we grew up being good at. So just lean into what you're good at, turn it into a skill set. It's going to take a long time. Like, what was it, like six months? I spent 30 minutes a day, like, writing in my notebook. I would look through old um, newspaper ads and just rewrite them in my notebook to pick up how to be good at. On Ogilvy. I learned how to become a good I'm pers- Don Draper, a good persuasive writer, and it took a long ass time, and it, it eventually it worked out. So, yeah, just to to piggyback on that, and I have a question for Scott because I feel like <laughs> we haven't asked a question in a little while. I just want this to be a conversation. Yeah. yeah um. So so going back to like the content aspect, right? Like I'm a big Gary V fan. Obviously, like I'm wearing the the V Friends merch, uh, and Gary V was the guy that really helped me to get started. And I think it, it comes down to like what he talks about, which is the best form of content marketing is, is simply documenting what you're doing. So if you find yourself having to like sit at the computer and think of content ideas or think of tweet ideas, you're doing it wrong. I think our most viral tweets and our most viral forms of content have come from building, right? Either Christian writing copy or sending out an email campaign or me putting together a new system in our agency and then going out and sharing that with people in the form of content. And I think that's where people miss the mark as well. It's like you have to, again, be out in the world building things and, and doing things and working towards something to then go out and share value. Because otherwise, you're just going to get drowned in the marketplace by other valuable content. And I talked about this yesterday, which leads into my next question. I promise you there's a question here, uh, which is we're now getting into a, a time 
in the internet where like content marketing is is becoming talked about like more than anything else, right? Like Daniel on stage waged war against paid paid ads. Right? I've been waiting for this moment my whole <laughs> and life. So, yeah, so Scott's been preparing, um, and so for people out there that do have the skill sets, do have the experience, do have the know-how, let's get into some more advanced uh, conversation about content marketing and how to leverage beautiful video and high-end production to, to stand out. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely more, I, I have a lot to learn honestly about kind of um, like what, what Logan and Nick talk about in terms of like optimizing socials and distribution and, and stuff like that and gaining traction. But what I can contribute a lot of, I think this is kind of my specialty is, and I think this is going to become really important. Um, I've written a couple of kind of like articles about this, but it's going to become really important. And some people are going to disagree with me, and I hope you do, that when you make like your short form content and stuff, it has to look really good because what's going to happen is, and this is already happening. I've seen this over the last month, and this is something I cannot stop thinking about. All short form looks the fucking same. It's all like the yellow, the yellow text with like the moving emojis and like I filmed this on my iPhone. It's like we're gonna get to a point very quickly, honestly, probably within the next like six months, where people just stop. It's not like they stop watching short form. They all the attention goes naturally to the short form that is the most aesthetically appealing. So when you see a lot of times I feel like on YouTube, it's pretty tough to find a channel that has like a quarter million plus subscribers that they don't have at least like some good lighting a dedicated setup like a dedicated microphone and stuff like sure there's probably some channels that have a lot of subscribers like they use their phone and stuff but from what i've seen it's not it's not very common so what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to hit a threshold where they're like why is my short form content or my videos not performing it's like dude you're filming in like a dark room with 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 like your iphone like you got to step it up, step it up here. Obviously, we have a setup here. Um, these guys are smart because, or you guys are smart because you, I feel like kind of saw that coming, and that you need to um, essentially diversify what you're putting out in the order of having it be quality, like showing up quality on camera, having this professional audio with the mics. Like we could have filmed this with two iPhones, but we're not here doing that. And the other thing is um, that it's like an investment because when you do something with higher quality, you know, on YouTube, the reason people like YouTube a lot is because you post a video 10 years from now, it's still getting views. So you might as well like future proof your content. Um, so that's just kind of like the surface of it, but I, I feel like everything's kind of starting to look like low quality. Yeah. On So on the same topic of saturation, there's also a point where you offer the same skill and the same services as a ton of other people you know, even if you're the best at what you do, you're still competing against other people in your space and, you know, people that want to take your clients. So I think there's a huge, huge ROI in just being a likable person. Like just being someone that after this episode, Scott and I and Andre, I don't know about Andre, but we're going to go out later for Halloween. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Why not me, bro? I don't know. Andre doesn't like to go out. Me and Dan are, no, that's not a bad thing, but. We could talk about that. We could talk about that. But like, just to keep going really quick, like. If you offer, like, say for me, I write cold emails. If 10 other people offer cold emails and they don't have a personal connection with someone and I have a personal connection with them, if they think, if this person says, I need cold emails, they're going to come to me because I'm a like, like, they like me, we're friends. We talk on a personal level about things outside of business. So 
kind of talk about the return on just being like a cool person that people like to network with, right? Like you meet someone at the cigar bar. Last night we met a guy here that does, um, he's a lawyer and he got a client from TikTok and he gave me his business card because we were just talking about football and his experience in college and like going to bars and we were just having a regular conversation completely outside of business, but he gave me his business card and he has a lot of clients that are high level business owners that could, not saying it well, but it could eventually lead to clients for our business that stemmed from a conversation completely outside of business just because we had a cool a cool conversation. So I guess talk about the the return of just being a person that people like being around and, and speak highly of. Um. Well, so I guess I'll use the example of me coming down here. So, and I also want to start off by like, this is actually kind of my number one weakness. Like I naturally am kind of like on the more shy side and you know, I have a lot of work to do on like public speaking and stuff like that. But what I do have going for me is I'm very like humble and I have just like a clean image, I guess. Like I very, very handsome. I, <laughs> I've got, um, I'm just, I don't know. Like I'm, I never really brag about anything. I'm organized. I'm on time and I'm not like a fucking weirdo. And I feel like, so what happened is you guys were like, hey, in Klein Ascension, this only happens in Klein Ascension, obviously. You guys were like, hey, we're having an informal Tampa meetup. This was probably like four months ago um, for anyone that wants to come down. So I had never met you guys in person and I, I came down and we instantly got along just because, like I said, like I'm not a weirdo and I like have my shit together, I guess. And then what that allows you to do is open the initial door to talking about higher level things because first impressions matter um so when you show up on time organized like i said you you have like your shit together um what that allows you to do is talk about now so fast forward like a couple days when i visited in like within two days uh i went from not knowing these guys at all to basically talking about like the inner workings of their business and then they were like coaching me up um like pro bono i guess i mean i paid to be in client ascension but when you when you put in that effort and you just remain like a lot of people talk about being the quietest one in the room and i really like that and sometimes it can be hard when you're talking about something that you know about or people ask about it you can speak up when you have specialized knowledge in something and, and coach people up but i just try to be the the i try to be humble i try to be like the quietest person in the room and just show up, you know, organized and stuff because that that brings you ahead of like 99% of people. And then when you add on top of that, actually having like specialized knowledge or being valuable, it's it's like game over. Because again, like I've only known you guys for like a few months and now we're here and I'm, you know, we're doing this podcast. I'm producing it for you guys. I'm producing stuff for Daniel. I've only known Daniel for like two or three months or something. So it just moves really quickly when you when you when you move when you present yourself like that. Yeah, and I think like for people out there cuz I could relate to what you said about being like the quiet one or shy or introverted in a way. Um and I think for people out there that struggle in 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 conversations and and with meeting new people, what really helped me and what you do a really good job of as well, Scott, is you listen Right. And I feel like that's the easiest way to break into uh, communities like this and to have conversations that have people wanting to come back and, and hang out with you more often is being a good listener. 
uh, and asking good questions. And that wasn't the intention of getting into podcasting originally, but I think me and Christian getting started in podcasting four years ago almost built that skill set in the background of being a good question asker and, and being a good listener. And people tell me that all the time now. Like they're like, you know, you, you have very good like communication skills. And that's like, I still see that as my biggest weakness, right? Like I told you, <laughs> I told you that basically. And you, like I, I, I said, um, I was like, yeah, the, the way you present yourself is very like how to win friends and influence people. And, and you were like, I don't get it. Like, what do you mean? And I was like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, you because, and that's the thing also about being humble is just, you don't like think like, well, that. it's not forced, right? It's, it's right. just natural. Uh, and, and the other part of that is, is surrounding yourself with people that you're actually interested in, in learning more about, which Christian was saying, like, there's a lot of talk on social media about, you know, just how you should live your life. And, and, and we could get into this specifically, but like sports, right? So Christian and I, uh and, and scott i'm pretty sure like we're all big like sports fans and and sports are like a big i'm not sure if, I'm, I'm not too into sports yeah. i like like personal fitness and stuff yeah. more but i i i i'm not gonna be much of a help yeah which, which is fine which is fine but like christian and i specifically like we love sports we play sports we watch sports we bet on sports a little bit of degeneracy in there um but like having conversations with people about sports um, and, and things that you're, you're passionate about. I think one thing, I guess, not sports, but for me and you, is like movies, right? Like we always talk about like Christopher Nolan, like we're big Christopher Nolan fans. And, and so we talk about things outside of business that we're actually interested and care about, and, and that's it. And, and when you do talk about sports or you guys are, are partaking in some degeneracy, like I, I still, I, you have to have, okay, here's the other thing about the, the being the quietest one in the room. If you have natural curiosity, um, towards things, then even if you don't have natural curiosity towards things, which I don't know why you wouldn't, it's just so, to me, it's so entertaining to be like, okay, I have no idea how sports betting works, for instance, let's say. Don't learn. But like, yeah, stay away. If I just sit there and I observe and I'm like, okay, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? A lot of times you can relate it to other things that you do know or like other things in life, like business or or taking a risk, you know, on some kind of like client, you know, maybe they don't have the money to pay for you. Okay. What's like the odds this is going to like work out or, or stuff like that. So it's not, don't think so uh, narrowly of, of subjects. And yeah. Stuff. And the last thing I'll say on this is the biggest thing I've noticed is if you're around a successful person or someone with clout or social media fame or a following, don't switch up your personality just cause you're around someone with like a higher level of influence or money than you. Like say someone walked in, like say, I don't know, Tom Brady walked in behind me. I, I would try to do my best to be like, you know, how's, how's your day, Tom? Like, how was breakfast? I wouldn't be like, Tom Brady, like, can you sign my shirt? And let's take a selfie for my family. And can I FaceTime my friend? Because he's a huge Tom Brady fan. Like, if you can maintain that same level of personality that you would have with your friend as you are with Tom Brady or someone really influential, that's going to go a long way because people, like Tom Brady, if, if you see someone in public, 10 times out of 10, they're going to fanboy and ask for his autograph. But if you're really chill and just ask for something or spark a conversation outside of what they're known for, they're going to remember you. They're going to want to, I'm not saying Tom Brady would want to hang out with me, but someone will, like, if you're around someone that you want to learn from, they're going to want to hang out with you more and they're going to want to learn more and talk to you more and give you free knowledge. Um, so I always say there's also a huge, a huge return on just like being the same person because there's nothing worse than you're talking to someone in private and they're really cool and then you get in front of, you know, a group of girls or someone influential and they just completely flip a switch on who their personality is. I think that's a, a major red flag to me. People, so I, people I always try hate, to keep it. People hate that consistent. too. 
people hate that when well i've been around some people that have like a lot of influence and the, the first thing is that it's absolutely nuts if you've been around someone who is like even like a i don't know like a b-list celebrity or something like fame does some weird shit to people um but the thing is so with those those kinds of people i've gotten a, a few opportunities to to talk to those that that type of demographic and they're so i wouldn't say they're normal it's typically they're extremely you know talented at one thing or another but they they're just like you like there's there's really no difference between that person and you it besides that they have a following because they're known for a per, for they're known for being good at you know a particular thing yeah i don't i don't know the exact example but i was talking to someone i think it was here or some kid in, so some guy in our apartment he has a pretty big youtube channel when i first met him i didn't know that he had a youtube channel with a lot of subscribers um and we were just having a regular conversation like just back and forth and then the moment i found out he ran a really big youtube channel in the back of my head your perception of your that person is going to change but still remaining chill as if you didn't know that they had social media fame or clout or money is what's really going to help you make those high-level connections. So that's the last thing I'll, I'll say on this. Did you have something else to finish? No, no. I just it's just a really interesting. Yeah, like, it is a really interesting dynamic. Like people, people, um, who talks about this? I heard this the other day. But people will like completely their behavior will will completely shift. Um, and yeah. It's, it also was pretty cool to like run into somebody like I ran into a lightning hockey player at a bar and he looks like a regular guy, but on his social media and on TV and in public, he's a really well-known hockey player. And I think it's pretty cool that um, just the title that someone has can make someone's mindset on them completely switch. But if me and Andre meet Christopher Nolan, we're fangirling. That's Bro. 100% guaranteed. Bro, if Christopher <laughs> Nolan meets us, he's fangirling. <laughs> After the movies we're about to make. Yeah. Um, movie but yeah talk about that a little uh let's get some insights into the future right so you recently moved down to tampa we got that you have the video agency which is is really like creating digital videos um or like graphic design videos uh, and now you're back behind the camera which is, it sounds like that's uh almost like your natural habitat in a way and so talk about like what does the future hold for you do you want to Make movies? I mean, we already talked about it, but we're going to make movies at some point. But, like, what does the future look like for you? So my, again, like, I feel super lucky that I was able to basically figure out that this is what I like doing so early on because it allowed me to basically come up with an angle very early on, which then allows me to pursue that angle very early on. The thing with, so like I was talking about earlier with uh, Dan, how it's not like you go one year into the agency and you do an eight-figure exit or something like that. My natural thing kind of definitely is um, like, you know, being behind the camera. And I, I really like um, essentially like directing and, and, and formulating creative ideas in, and then materializing those. And so when you think about like, let's again, we'll use the example of a movie. It's like, it's not just the image on screen. It's like you have to come up with what the movie's gonna be about. There's a story behind it. Then you have to, you know, figure out how it's gonna look. Then you have to shoot it. Then you have to edit it. And then there's like the distributing it and stuff. So for me, the, the future for me long-term in the next five, 10 years is I, I think that um, like we talked about the stepping stones, like this, the online, um, it's called video spark, the animation 
agency productized service, whatever you want to call it, I have right now. It's definitely not like, oh, you know, I'm going to be doing that for 20 years. What it's allowing me to do is meet a lot of people. I'm learning more about um, how to run a business. Like I said, I just hired the first person I've ever hired. And so I'm going to learn a lot about that. I'm going to learn a lot about like buyer psychology. I'm learning a lot about product market fit. And then what I'll be able to do is, is take that, scale the agency to a point where I either have it as a lifestyle business or sell it. And then I'll learn about exits at that point and all this stuff. And then long term for me, what I want to do is essentially my goal or what I picture myself doing is very like, um, I shouldn't say very, but like essentially high ticket production stuff or, you know, stuff like using the camera and, and doing Daniel's vlogs and producing stuff like this because I, I am a, like a builder and I just like doing the creative building. So I think, um, you know, I'm going to scale video spark up, see how that goes and then my goal is to really essentially, I don't know, do like one-on-one -on -one high ticket production stuff. So I'll use like uh, cars as an example. I, I think cars are awesome. Um, I think it would be cool to be able to like direct car, to car commercials or be able to travel and shoot stuff for like lifestyle brands. And the thing about the, when you think about making money and making a living from it, it's like part of the reason that I'm doing the online business thing because, you know, I can't do a production every single day. And so from a cash flow perspective, it's like, okay, well, you can do a production maybe like once, once a week if you have the lead flow or whatever. So you need to create, for me, the online business thing was one, a way to learn, two, a way to create consistent cash flow, which then allows me to fund stuff like buying equipment for for not all the equipment for this podcast, but you know, camera setup and stuff like that. And I feel also as though there comes a time for a lot of people where they have to decide if their business is going to be like their main, you know, like livelihood thing, or if they're going to use it as a tool to basically invest the cash flow into other things, which is also very common. Um, so I want to do that. I want to take that cash flow, invest into, you know, production stuff, growing my network. I want to get more into real estate at some point. Um, I was actually a licensed agent for, for like a year. I've done a transaction. That's interesting as well. Um, but yeah, just long term, I want to, let's say like an ideal thing would be coming on to an Apple production as like a production consultant or like being a camera operator. But when you do it at a really high level, just like you can do anything at a high level, um, you get paid very well for that. And so that's how that is something that's viable um, to essentially make my living on in the, in the future. Yeah. And I think I've got the question like, dude, what if tomorrow your business is just flopped and you had to go get a job? And my answer to that is always, aside from building a business, the skill sets you learn along the way for me, writing copy, managing clients, growing a, a Twitter following, all these things are skills that can be replicated into a new business. So like, Sure, business is risky, but the skill sets you learn along the way will pave the way for you to be paid for your knowledge and for your skill sets for the rest of your life. So I think that's a huge utility of running a business as well. That's been another huge appeal for building my skill set is I'm very anxious when it comes to like, okay, what if I make zero dollars for my business or something next month? It's almost like it's like too big to fail, right? Because I have... I have experience in video production, graphic design, photography, creative direction, and branding. Like, you'll, I've, you'll figure it out. I've built like Wall Street 
um, like firm websites before. Like I just there's once you get to a certain point where you know so much. I think Daniel talks about this all the time. He's like, you just get to a point where you you know so much it's impossible to not to win. not make money. Yeah, to not just wake up and, and win. Really. <laughs> yeah, and like Christian said, like and, and you mentioned Apple, like dude, like your videos that that come out of video spark like they remind me of apple commercials right and like having the experience of venturing out on your own the number one thing that i think it does is it earns the respect of people that are in the position to make decisions like hiring you or partnering with you or wanting to work with you and so just the fact that you took the leap of faith and you took the risk and you went out on your own to learn a skill set like you're going to earn the respect of of higher ups and and that network plus the skill sets and the experience you bring to the table, yeah, it's impossible not to win. Uh, so the last question I have for you, it's kind of a deeper question, um, but it's like, what do you want to be remembered for? Damn. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Take a few more hits. Uh, be, being a degenerate at uh, Cathedral Cigar Lounge. No. Um, I th honestly just the 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 work that I do um in in being like a product guy if you will I guess my cuz my mission really is to I suppose if if we want to get like deep like deep deep the the a lot of the reason that I enjoy doing the video stuff is because I think it's really cool watching people's like reactions and stuff to to what I'm able to make. So like the client ascension recap, like, you know, that hypes people up and it's something, not only is it something I enjoy doing, but then getting to watch people react to that and be like, Oh, you know, this made my day or, you know, whatever, whatever it does. Um, I, I kind of just want to be remembered for, for not necessarily me. Um, but what I create and then that can like live, live in people's memories. And really the biggest thing is inspiring people um, which video is probably honestly the best medium for is just inspiring people to, to like think, a, not think a certain way, but think in their own way. Okay. Inspire them to, to do what's, what's best for them and remember things like, you know, the client ascension event or whatever. So, wow. Yeah. That was deep. I think that's a great way to end it. That was the first episode of stick talk. I think that's the name we're going with officially. Um, Scott, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, Appreciate it. Really cool conversation. I mean, we've known each other for a few months now, but I just felt like I learned a lot more about you and your motivations and what drives you, uh, which is always cool, which is why doing a podcast like this, uh, like that addiction in my brain now is, is coming back. Of like, we got to do more of this. Let's uh, Krieg we, episode <laughs> schedule. Yeah. Um, so... To end it, uh, where can the audience find you, follow you, uh, and see some of the work that you're doing uh, outside of this podcast? Yeah, mo most of it right now is on Twitter, at Scott C. Millard, S-C-O-T-T-C-M-I-L-L-A-R-D. And then um, basically, same thing on Instagram. I'm starting a YouTube channel right now. Um, you can find that just by looking up Scott Millard. I post a lot about it on Twitter. Um, all my homies hate LinkedIn. Don't look for me there, even though I'm on there. But yeah. That's a wrap. 
Yeah. And uh, real quick, we just started this YouTube channel. We just started this podcast. So please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, and also we'll have links in the description for Christian's channel, my channel, Dan's channel, uh, where we're going to have clips of, of all the episodes that we're working on and other forms of content as well. So if you enjoyed this, we'll see you back here next week with another guest. Hopefully Daniel's recovered from his sickness by then. Just so uh, exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting. But yeah, thanks so much, guys. Love you.